What's up, gamers? I'm Noah Hertz. And I'm Nathaniel Wilson. And welcome to Press Start. Yo. Video games. Honestly, man, what what else? Honestly, that's what we talk about here on this show, because it's a video game podcast. It's a video mm-hmm. game podcast where we talk about video game news and video games we've been playing and enjoying and that kind of shit. Exactly. Uh, how have you been, Nathaniel? It's been a, been a little minute since you've been on the show, I think, right? It has. I was last on with Tori, and actually before I was last on, um, you and I were texting about how every time I sub in, it's with Tori and not this with you. True, yeah. <laughs> and I was saying we need to link up. Yeah. And then we were, I was going to do last week with Tori, but then I was busy Saturday and she was busy Sunday. And so yeah, week off, a little uh, inside baseball right here. But, uh, a little summer, a little summer break. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have a master's degree now. That's pretty exciting. I do. I defended my capstone. Um, today is the 3rd of August. I'm walking the stage, the beautiful University of Florida Gainesville <laughs> basketball arena stage on August 11th. The Tim Tebow Arena or whatever it's called. <laughs> no, it's something so bad. It's like the exact tech arena. Uh. It's like some some sponsor of something that no one's heard of. Isn't it? But isn't there like a huge, like otherworldly, large size statue of Tim Tebow outside of it? Outside of the football stadium across the street okay. from the basketball arena, there are statues of every Florida Gators football quarterback that has won the Heisman. And okay. so there is a Steve Spurrier and mm-hmm. there is that other dude whose name I can't remember. And then there's Tim Tebow. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember the Tim Tebow. I remember Christine drove me by that at one point, and she was like, and this is Tim Tebow, and he's like 15 feet tall or something. Like, it's crazy how big he is. <laughs> it's funny because the one dude whose name I can't remember, like, went to the J school and, like, works oh, yeah? in media. And, oh, that's crazy. Uh, he, he pops by the J school sometimes. Like, I think I've seen him around there, but I literally can't remember his uh, his name. I'm a little biased, but I think my favorite thing about this podcast is how much we talk about the state of Florida on it. Because you know how many podcasts you listen to and they're like, oh, New York, fucking New York. I'm in New York or like California, too, but less so. Like, it's always New York. I'm always hearing shit about New York. Like, no, we're going to talk about fucking central and north central Florida on this podcast. You're going to have to live with it. No, I was telling Tori, I was like, we need to add a second um, guest host who's in Florida because since I moved out of Florida now, um, 67% of press start hosts do not reside in Florida. We need to get those numbers up. That's true. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta bump those numbers. That's, that's those rookie numbers. Can I hit you with some, uh, video game news items, please? So I want to start with this. This is, uh, this is the relatively big one. This is something that has been rumored for a gazillion years, and it's mostly just been people going, hey, I heard that my dad works at Nintendo, and he said this. But this time, it's sounding like it might actually hold some water. Um, Video Games Chronicle is reporting, and a number of other reputable sources like Eurogamer have picked it up too, that a number of third-party video game developers have picked up switch to dev kits and are able to mess around and play with the hardware that is going to be in Nintendo's successor console to the Nintendo Switch. 
And I mean, the news so far is kind of sparse. I, I heard this pointed out in one YouTube video I was watching, and I forget where I was watching it, but they made the point that like the dev kit is not the hardware for the console. You know, it's just a computer that has the specs of the console so that you can test around on developing for it and that kind of thing. So it's not like it's not like we know exactly what it's gonna be. We don't know if it's gonna be another exactly like the Switch, but beefier. But all signs kind of point to that being the case. Um, how are we feeling about Switch 2? It's uh, Video Games Chronicle said that the release would be late 2024, mid to late 2024. How are we feeling about this? Where are you at with, uh, with Switch 2? I really go back and forth, not on whether or not I want to see it, but I go back and forth mm -hmm. on like my level of interest for it, I think. Um, yeah. Agreed. because i feel like we're so far away from it still and so sometimes i will get in the mode of like i'm gonna go on youtube and see if there have been any switch to leaks and watch videos and so honestly when this cycle of leaks came out i didn't even check it until i looked at the google doc because i don't know i'm just not looking for it right now i like i'm excited for it i think the main question i have is like, what do we actually want from a Switch 2 besides better yeah. graphics, better performance? Because I don't know. It's like, there's nothing wrong with the Switch, you know? There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. It's, it's incredible, honestly. And just the jump from the last generation of Nintendo consoles to this one, they just like smashed it 10 out of 10. And so yeah. my question is like, what do people actually want to be able to do? Like, do people want to play fucking God of War on the Switch? Or, like, do we just want Luigi's Mansion 4 to look better? That's the tricky thing, is it's, like, in the midst of, like, real peak console war era. I'm thinking, like, when the GameCube, the PS2, and the Xbox were the main consoles that were out. Like, Everybody was duking it out, not for the same audience, so to speak, but like kind of doing the same thing. And that was a home video game console that played first party games made by the company who put out the console, as well as third party games made by other developers, sometimes exclusively to that console, sometimes not. But like Nintendo kind of did the thing that everybody had kind of always wondered if they were going to do. And they divested from that race, you know? So, like, the Switch is not the same animal as a PlayStation console or an Xbox console now. Like, when a new game comes out, you don't... It's very rare that you find yourself in a position where it's like, okay, do I want to get this on the Xbox, the PlayStation, or the Switch? Most of the time, the Switch is for totally different games. It's for its own separate stuff. And, like, the beauty I have found in the Switch is getting games that are tailor-made for me to either play on the TV or to play in handheld mode or both. And I, I, I agree with you. Like, I'm not really sure where they go from there other than just beef up the specs a little bit so that it runs stuff better. Yeah, and you had talked about Nintendo divesting from the like model of gaming console at the time but also yeah. they broke the release cycle which i think is super interesting because yeah. you see when people talk about the switch they don't talk about it in the same class really as the ps4 and xbox one or the ps5 yeah. 
and Xbox Series X. And so it's interesting. And if they release next year, they're doing the same thing, you know, because we've we've heard the the leaks and info about the PS5 Slim that I guess is supposed to come out holiday of this year. Um, and so Nintendo is, again, just kind of charting their own course, um, which I think is cool. But with that, some of the additional rumors um, Video Games Chronicle reported, and it didn't really sound like there was a whole lot here beyond what they reported. Uh, I'm just going to read this chunk from the article. It says, like its predecessor, the new Nintendo console will also accept physical games via a cartridge slot, sources said. Other details, such as backwards compatibility support for Switch games, physical and digital, remains unclear. Nintendo has said it wants to convert as many of the Switch's 100 million-plus user base as possible to its next system, although some third-party publishers have said to have expressed concern that legacy support for Switch games could negatively affect sales of next-gen titles. I think this is kind of like an inflection point, honestly. Like, Nintendo has the choice now with... A video game console that has like the biggest buy-in of a Nintendo console ever to alienate the existing users of that console or to like actually offer the backwards compatibility. And because I don't know, to me, and it, it like we don't know anything real about this console yet, but if it ends up being Switch 2 then I think not being backwards compatible would be a huge mistake. I think it would be a huge mistake either way. But I think if you're going to stick with the Switch branding the same way they did like Wii to Wii U, like I think it would be a huge mistake to not be backwards compatible. And isn't the info that we've gotten, because I know there's the whole thing where the new one is going to have an LED screen and not an OLED screen. And so... Um, I think I saw in YouTube videos that um, the plan is for an like an eight inch LED screen. And so the mm-hmm. switch is like six point three and the OLED is seven. Um, and so if it's if it's going to have an eight inch screen on it, then it is switch two, Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so I don't know. Part of me thinks um, that Mario Kart eight is going to live forever. And that the <laughs> next switch is not going to be backwards compatible because they're going to sell us Mario Kart 8 again. Um, uh, but then yeah. part of me looks at Nintendo and historically they've just done so much better on backwards compatibility than Xbox and PlayStation have. Like yeah. the Wii's could read GameCube discs and yeah. the first DS had a GBA slot. And the 3DS could read DS games, you know? And so it's something they've always done. If they, like, really, really are money hungry, then then they wouldn't. But I I don't know. As someone who has amassed, like, a pretty sizable digital library on my Switch, it would be, like, incredibly disappointing if there was not backwards compatibility. Even, like especially just with even if it's just the digital stuff you know um yeah but it should definitely just have a card reader and have the same exact kind of yeah. cards the digital stuff is admittedly like where i'm most interested to see what they do because um while they do have a pretty good track record for backwards compatibility they're i don't know you didn't have a wii u did you 
So the Wii U had this really interesting... You're shaking your head now. I guess this is an audio medium. No, sorry. I did not have a Wii U. (laughs) Wait. We did have a Wii U. Really? My parents bought a Wii U. We still have it, actually. Um, I never really played it because we never got games for it because I hated the gamepad. I I was like a little old for it and my stepdad got it and Mm -hmm. my little brother was a little young for it. And so it just just collected dust. It's funny because I know so many people talk about how cheap the plastic was on the Wii U because they had to keep the price yeah. down. And so everyone talks about like their their launch Wii U that they got and how the plastic is just melted on the gamepad because it's such like Ugh. shitty cheap plastic. And ours, <laughs> ours is like just in great condition. I've actually, I debated like asking my parents for it before the Wii U eShop closed and to like buy Skyward Sword and play that. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, well, I don't want to play on the Wii U. I don't like the Wii U. Yeah. That's the, the tricky thing with the Wii U is that, like, unlike something like the Wii or the GameCube, where it's like it was a wholly different console, like, the Switch does everything that the Wii U did, but better and more effectively. And, like, sure, I guess it doesn't do everything because you can't play a game on the TV and the console and the gamepad at the same time. But, like, that didn't really work super well except in in a few no. like really isolated instances but um the thing i'm interested about is that digital game migration because when the wii u came out so this was back when nintendo was still using the old like uh account system it was i think it was my nintendo instead of whatever it is now yeah and any game that you purchased on the wii virtual console did not transfer over to your Wii U, even though it was functionally just the guts of a Wii, but beefed up a little bit to the point where like it had a full Wii emulator running on it. You could put it in Wii mode and stick discs in there. But digital games that you bought on the Wii Virtual Console could be bought at a discount off of the Wii U Virtual Console store. So they didn't just give them to you, but they were discounted. And like, I it would not surprise me if Nintendo went some kind of route like that. But the kicker there is that a lot of that stuff was first party material. And a lot of the stuff on like most of the stuff on the Switchy shop is third party material from other companies. So like I really, really hope that that kind of stuff would migrate over with your account. Yeah, the thing that was most frustrating to me in going from like the wii u to the switch was i had bought a lot of virtual console games and then they those just weren't on the switch store and i think i feel like there's no reason for nintendo to scrap its current virtual console system where they just Mm -hmm. like it's an app essentially that you either get for free or pay for depending on which one it is and i think they're just going to keep beefing those up um they just added a couple zelda games to the gba one and they're gonna add pokemon games i feel like eventually we're gonna get virtual console gamecube you know and then i I feel like eventually it has to go that way yeah. yeah and that's gonna go crazy um and so i feel like that system will stay but and so it's interesting to think about what are the ways that they could possibly break it yeah but i i feel like i don't know i remember when my friends first got ps5s when they came out and mm-hmm. playstation is still very much struggling with releasing content that is for the ps5 <laughs> and not just for yeah. the ps5 and ps4 
And so when the PS5 came out, my friends weren't buying PS5 games. They were just playing their PS4 games on the PS5. And I feel like that's just what's going to happen, you know, like on my on my Xbox, I go on the store and you see the same games on there and they'll have the XS symbol in the bottom right corner if it's like next gen, you know, and it won't if it's old. And so I feel like that's kind of what is going to happen. And every single game is going to be $70 instead of $60, like because that's what PlayStation and Microsoft did and Nintendo um, already tried it with zelda and it's fine because it's zelda um but everyone's already like warmed up to the idea because they're gonna make us do it and what else are you gonna do um and so i think that's probably what makes the most sense to me is releasing two different versions of games for a little bit but i feel like yeah nintendo has done i don't know if you would call it a better or a worse job i think i would call it a better job of disconnecting previous generations from current ones and like moving on in very positive ways um, and looking Mm -hmm. just to make first party games for their hardware that run well on that specific hardware. Except when it comes to their own material and making sure that you can play Mario 64 on the next device that you bought without having to pay for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you got to think that the, the Switch 2 will probably launch with the Odyssey sequel, right? And it so, has to. Yeah, it has do to. You, do you think Odyssey 2 will release on Switch and Switch 2? I feel like with the size of the Switch install base, they've got to do some kind of a transitional period the way the other consoles have done, where it's like this, the thing comes out and you can buy it on Switch 1, but it's going to look worse. But the only kicker with that is like, like, I, I don't know. It's tough because it's like Breath of the Wild when it came out felt like you couldn't possibly push the switch any harder. And then Tears of the Kingdom comes out. And despite the fact that so many lesser games chug and chug and chug on the switch and barely run like Tears of the Kingdom runs fantastic. And it is it is such a step up from Breath of the Wild in terms of just like how much shit is going on all the time. So. I I feel like Nintendo of any company Nintendo is capable of like pumping every last drop out of their hardware but it's I mean it's like you said with the PS5 it's like how do you truly differentiate yourself in a space if you are releasing stuff on two consoles at once, you know? And I mean, this is the same problem. This goes back to the problem they had with the Wii U. They announced the Wii U and nobody knew what the fuck it was. And then it came out and none of the games were coming out on the Wii also because they required such specific hardware. But it was like nobody had any fucking clue what it was. So it's like they, they've they got to make it really clear really early what this is going to be. Yeah, because we're seeing stuff where... Spider-Man 2 gets announced for PlayStation and then now finally people on on Twitter are like, okay, now I have to buy a PS5. And this shit has been out for three years. Yeah. And people are finally like, okay, there's one game. There's one (laughs) game that I need to buy the new console for. Final Fantasy 16 seemed like it was a big one for this too, where it was like the trailers dropped and people were like, I guess I got to get a PS5 now. And it Mm -hmm. was like... And I have a feeling like the next Final Fantasy VII remaster chunk is going to be the same way where it's it's going to be like 
disparate chunks of people are going to be like, oh, I guess I got to go to PlayStation 5 now. But like Nintendo consoles just aren't that way. But the tricky thing is, is it's like the Switch was so different from the Wii U. And this, so many people have Switches. Like an ungodly amount of people have Switches, aided by the fact that fucking everyone was buying them when the pandemic started. So it's like, can they go up from here? Like clearly every person who owns Switch 1 is not going to upgrade to Switch 2. But how do they make it enticing enough for us? Uh, my hope is no more Joy-Con drift, but that's just me. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like that's at the top of my wish list. And we've seen companies yeah. create Joy-Con replacements and create like docking things and create controllers that don't have stick drift. And so like that should be that should be Nintendo's like first thing. The Joy-Cons are a mess, I feel like. And, and like they're cool. But I don't know. I've never I've always been someone who enjoys playing handheld and I've never been someone who's enjoyed using Joy-Cons. I've always looked for yeah. like, what is the way that I can replace these and make my thumbs not hurt when I have to move around a lot? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's like such a cool concept, but the hardware just like did not quite live up to the expectation there, yeah. you know? So it's funny that we're talking about this because I ordered a Switch OLED this week and it's coming in the mail tomorrow. <laughs> okay, so what what was the final straw? Like what made you go, I need a Switch OLED? I have a job where I make more money. Okay. I think yeah, like that's enough. it. It's it's <laughs> it's interesting, right? Because I think you and I kind of had the same issue and we just went about it opposite ways. We both have girlfriends who were not super into gaming. And we wanted to get them to play some games with us. Mm -hmm. And so the Switch is like the easiest access. It's the like easiest looking. I feel like it, it, it very much makes sense that that would be one that is more appealing, right? To people yeah, who don't play games. That's always been a Nintendo thing, I feel like. And so like you bought Christine a Switch Lite, right? Yes. Yeah, I bought her one of the mini ones. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like... I want Angie to have a Switch. I want us to be able to play together. And then I was like, I could get her a Switch Lite or I could get a Switch. I was like, or I could just get the new nicer one and give her mine that is perfectly good, you know? And I yeah. was like, I'll just do that. Because I, I don't mm -hmm. know. Ever since Pokemon Scarlet and Violet came out and that OLED came out with them, I was like, I fucking want that one. With the... Yeah. With the purple and red Joy-Cons. Yeah, those are really solid looking. Yeah. And like the uh, the dock is white and has the two legendary Pokemon from the two games on the front of it. It just looks mm -hmm. so sick. And I remember my parents got a Switch OLED, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And I remember like the first time I went home and I saw it and I was like, I was kind of blown away at how different it felt than my switch hmm. because the only really? thing they changed is the screen but it looks so much bigger and it's so much brighter and it looks so much nicer yeah. and so i was like damn i kind of do want this and so yeah i just pulled the trigger and then the leaks came out and switch 2 is coming out but that's in like a year and a half and then i also don't even know if i believe that it will come that soon um so i yeah, will get i agree i will get adequate play from my uh Pokemon Scarlet Violet 
OLED switch. I think you'll do just fine. Yeah, I think because the, the, I mean, that's the thing with the switch is it's like there's so much stuff to play on it. It does not have the problem that some past Nintendo consoles have had where it's like there aren't any third party games on it. It's like the switch ha- is becoming like such an incredibly comprehensive library of like some of the best games from past generations that it's like you can load up tons of shit, whether it's old games or indie games that are available on Switch or whatever. Like, there's so much good shit to play on that console. So Yeah, it's insane, honestly. Um, can I give you a piece of gaming news? Or do you want to keep going on Switch? No, let's, let's pivot away from the Switch. I want to okay. hear about whatever this is. So, we remember the 3DS and Wii U eShops closed. It was a mm-hmm. big talking point on this podcast, and Tori and I it was, yeah. both panic bought games. And I don't know, I can't speak for Tori, but I have not really played my 3DS since um, Nintendo spooked me into buying new games on it. Um, <laughs> but that's just me taking an L, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Post eShop closure, Nintendo has sold more than 200,000 3DS games, according to this Polygon article that we can link to. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, I guess it's saying hardware sales remain steady at almost 76 million, but software sales jump like just over 200,000 games sold. What I don't understand, where are people buying these games? Is this people buying new games? That's what I don't know. Like, further in the article, I'm just going to read here. It says, with the eShop shut down, these sales were likely all of physical copies of games available on the console. Blah, 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 blah. You can buy 3DS games in stores like GameStop, Best Buy, and Target, as well as through other market, other used marketplaces. But it may be hard to seek out older and rarer titles now. I'm asking, what fucking GameStop still has new 3DS games? <laughs> like- I don't know. I think... <laughs> You got to think about what games we're talking about, right? That's true. Yeah. And you got to also remember that like those Nintendo Select games, they just made a billion copies of every one, which is why so many like, of them, which yeah. is why the resale value didn't skyrocket, you know? Yeah. Um and so this is all new games, right? Yeah. For them to count this. This is crazy. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. People going nuts. to Target and being like I'm buying a Cooking Mama brand new 3ds (laughs) i guess it makes the thing it's like i would probably i would flip if i saw new 3ds games at a target or something you know i guess it makes sense that post shop closure physical sales would go up i just didn't know that people would be able to get them like this i would have figured i guess also um amazon i would guess probably has like a shit ton of new 3ds games um, I guess, yeah. And so, I don't know. I would love to to see like where exactly these sales are coming from, but I'm sure that yeah. is not information we can find. If you bought a new 3DS game sometime in the last calendar year, please email me to the show because I'm desperately curious to find out where the fuck you did that. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, like where is the where do you live that the Best Buy has a uh, new 3DS games? I think it really is a testament, though, to the 3DS. That's just like there were so many good games for that console and so many things that are just going to be marooned on that console going forward because of how unique the functionality of the DS consoles were. Like, briefly back to Switch 2, like, I don't really foresee us ever getting another Nintendo dual screen handheld or at least any time in the near future. 
I mean, it just doesn't really seem like it makes a whole lot of sense. But like, since we had so many years of Nintendo handhelds with two screens, like there's just so much interesting functionality that people came up with that is more or less just kind of gone now. And that just kind of sucks. Like it sucks that so many really good games with like really interesting mechanics are just sort of stuck there now. Mm -hmm. you know? I'm looking at the Target app on my phone right now. And mm -hmm. um, you can buy new games on the Target app to be shipped to you. I don't see any in store, but there's like 15 oh. on here. And it's ranging from Angry Birds Trilogy for $40 <laughs> to okay. uh, SMT Devil Survivor Overclocked. I can buy right what now the on fuck? the Target app for 80 bucks, though. Fuck okay, yeah. Here. I was going to say, I was like, damn, if you could buy SMT Overclocked for like... 30 bucks i'd be in in a heartbeat yeah but, yeah which i think is how much it cost on the store before that closed because i don't know there were so many games that cost 30 bucks where i was just like i can't do it and there's really yeah. only there's really only one 3ds game that i didn't buy on the shop that i kind of regret not getting and it's mm -hmm. um rhythm heaven mega mix oh would, yeah that's I a wish good I one had that. that's they a good to, one they need to put that shit on switch yeah they need there's to no reason not to too Honestly. it's not like it has any like special touchscreen shit like it's yeah. all buttons yeah like, i fuck with rhythm heaven so heavy it's so good can i give you a uh a quick rumor news item not that half of what we haven't been talking about is rumors but this is like a this is like a capital r rumor this is this is big if true big if true okay i was gonna ask so where are you at on Bethesda games? You a big Skyrim head? No. I uh I got Oblivion like used at GameStop when I was in like ninth grade, I think, and I don't think I could make it out of the initial dungeon, and so I quit. Um <laughs> and then I don't think I've ever played Skyrim. I don't think I've ever played it one time. I and I've I've never even hmm. bought it on all of the consoles that I have had and all of the the many consoles it's been released on. I sent you that one TikTok. And yeah, the, the option has been there. Yeah. <laughs> I sent you the TikTok and it was like how old you are based off what Bethesda <laughs> game you bought. And I just thought it was so funny because you were like a baby if you bought the deluxe Switch version or whatever. Um, yeah. But then you were still like a really old, decrepit man if you bought it on like PS4, <laughs> which I thought was just so funny. And then it was just like going back in time. It's like you're a dinosaur if you played yeah. Oblivion and you're uh, like if you played the first one, it was like a freaking cell. That shit was so funny. <laughs> and Adam. I've got good news for you. Uh, according to a post that was made on Reddit's r slash gaming leaks and rumors, so, you know, a couple grains of salt. Supposedly, Virtuous Games, this is a game company based in Singapore that mostly does ports of games to other consoles. You might know them from remastering Assassin's Creed Liberation and porting it to the PlayStation 4 and the PC, or porting Destroy All Humans to the Nintendo Switch. Um, these guys are also apparently supporting Konami in the development of the Metal Gear Solid 3 remake that's coming out on whatever consoles that's coming out on. Supposedly, an ex-employee of Virtuous took to Reddit to post about how Virtuous is working on a remake of The Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. And 
it's there's been some back and forth I've seen about this online because one of the main things that this person said in their post is that since if you, if anybody knows one thing about the Bethesda games, they know that they're broken as fuck. And the reason that they're broken as fuck is because Bethesda has been using what is functionally the same game engine since Morrowind came out on the PC in like the late 90s. <laughs> and they have just been building on it. They have just putting been putting more crud on top of it. And like a friend of mine was at my house a few nights ago and we were joking around and we were like watching part of a Skyrim um, speedrun. And the guy who was commentating the speedrun was like, he was doing a glitch and he was like, this is a glitch in Oblivion and it works in Skyrim. And it's like, yeah, of course it works in Skyrim because Skyrim is just built on the same glitchy ass engine that they've been building games in for over 20 years now. So the person who supposedly leaked this said that what it's doing is it's running in Unreal Engine, but part of the game is still running in the original engine. And apparently the last game port to do this was the GTA um, ports of the older PS2 games yeah, over the to original, the new consoles. the original trilogy. And I heard that that ran really poorly. Yeah. So I've seen some skepticism about this, but it, it does make sense to me that like that engine is so core to this game that like, like the main thing about the Elder Scrolls games is, and the Fallout ones too is that like everything is a physics object. And it's, it's pretty tough to do that. And that's something that to replicate that in another engine, based on what I've read, would be like really difficult to do. So I've seen some back and forth about whether this, is, this could be legit or even possible. But yeah, Oblivion Remake might be in the works. I saw some speculation from one thing I was reading where somebody wondered if this was Microsoft kind of like putting the finger on Bethesda to kind of like do something with some of their old stuff. And it does make me wonder because it's like Bethesda doesn't other than Skyrim, Skyrim aside, they don't really put stuff on other consoles other than PC. It's like Fallout New Vegas is not on anything other than PC, Xbox 360 and PS3. So like it, it kind of seems like it's only a matter of time until they find a way to do something with these back catalog of games. But I don't know. Oblivion. Any thoughts? <laughs> yeah. When you get it, I'll play it and try to get out of the first dungeon. Yeah. I, I love Oblivion. I mean, I've never beaten Oblivion, but like I played a lot of it on my PS3 back in the day. And then I got it on PC later too. And it's like one of the few games that my like janky ass cheap PC was ever able to run. And like, I love it. It's a goofy ass game. It's, it's so silly. Like, I think people who like the Bethesda formula would probably still get a lot out of it because it is it's so similar to Skyrim in some ways and also like radically different in other ways, which is like such a I know that's kind of like a basic ass thing to say, like it's different in some ways and same in the others. But like the setting is much more traditional high fantasy and it still has like fun and good quests that are enjoyable. So mm -hmm. like would I like to see it spruced up? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I know that it's still like fully playable on where it currently lives? Like, yeah, that too. But I don't know. I don't know. Be interesting. I think unless you have anything else you want to add, that's pretty much all we have with news. That is all uh, of our news. You want to talk about what we've been playing? Yes, I can start. Please do. Um. Okay. I've bought a couple cheap games that i have played a little bit and so okay. the first one is called kukiomi consider it and okay. so it is this japanese game that 
um i guess like you are reacting it's pretty much just like use the left stick um and so the way the game works is that you're presented with different scenarios and you have to react in the most considerate way and so it gives you uh i think it's three scenarios at a time and so it'll be like you are sitting in a crowded bus bench and there are people to your sides but you have space to either side of you and then two people walk up right and so you will slide to one side so they can sit together um yeah. it's it's a bunch of scenarios like that and then it gives you a percentage score at the end to tell you how considerate you are based off whether or not you reacted and then how quickly you reacted and so mm -hmm. i thought it was cool it was a fun little thing um i talked i think on here about a really similar game i played that was like a bravery test um mm -hmm. and so it might be made by the same company i'm not sure um i can look um and so play that a little bit i got rubber bandits because i saw on TikTok that it was a gang beasts dupe that improved on the gang beast formula and okay. you actually called me while I was playing it with Angie for the first <laughs> did, yeah. and spoiler alert, probably last time that I play that game. Uh -oh. um, not as good as Gang Beasts. Not as good at all. Um, and so, I don't know. I see what they were trying to do where there's more mm -hmm. stuff to pick up and there's more stuff to do. But I feel like Gang Beasts is so perfect in that it's so simple and you just grab people and punch them and uh yeah. that's perfect um also been playing rocket league again a little bit i played enough games to get ranked in competitive doubles and trios i'm in platinum yeah. in both which is not not great for me i gotta get back to my um high high diamond um oh my god <laughs> but yeah rocket league i don't know it's fun i wish my friends would play it with me but all my friends suck at it, so I kind of don't want to play with them anyways. What I really need to do, I need to link up with Jesse and his friends. Whenever Tori's back, I'll ask her if I can um, try out to be on Jesse's Rocket League team. Um, but I don't know. Him and his boys take it seriously, I think. So, so IDK. Yeah, I've never been good at that game. Like, I, I've tried. I've, like, I reached a point where I could, like, kind of make goals, but I've, I've just not put the hours <laughs> to be any good at Rocket League. Rocket League was one of those games where I was playing it a lot and I hit a, like a skill ceiling for the way I was playing. And so I was oh, like, wow. I need to completely reinvent how I'm playing so that I can get better because I was like stuck in yeah. gold three, right? Because I couldn't play mm -hmm. in the air. And so I just like overhauled my Rocket League game so that I could get a lot better. And then I was, I don't know, I was getting into like Diamond 2, Diamond 3 and I mainly mm -hmm. played duos back in the day. Um, never made it to like champion really maybe like for a second um but i don't know i fuck with rocket league but the music sucks and the community's toxic nobody even yeah. uses the quick chat anymore which i think sucks because i think quick chat on rocket league is like one of the funniest things in video games um <laughs> but i guess ever since they added voice voice chat no one does that like i was getting yelled at by this little kid today though when i was Holy playing shit. yeah it was it was bad and this is the the quick chat you're talking about is where it has like the preloaded phrases, right? Yes, where it's like the, get where the like, ball. Where you like press the D-pad, you're uh like they shoot and your teammate misses and they score and you just spam what a save, what a save, what a save. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> 
And then, <laughs> of course, Fortnite is still the game I'm logging the most hours into. They Fortnite, brought back baby. the grapple glove, I think, Did yesterday. Oh, it's been or a few days before. since I played anything. Yeah. yeah. And so it's we're back, baby. We are so back yeah. because there's movement. Um, it's not as stale. There's a new gun too, the Mammoth Pistol. Have you used that one? Yes, I've played. I played since they added the Mammoth Pistol, and it's fun as hell. It's I do not stupid. I do not hit my shots with that thing, but when you do, like you fuck someone up with that, and I've gotten really yeah. fucked up with that thing. And so I don't know. I was not high on Fortnite early on in this season because. There was no movement, and so I didn't think it was fun. Yeah. But now that they all they did was add the grapple glove back, and I think it's so much more fun because <laughs> I think the guns are good, and I think the augment system is so cool. Like I, yeah. that was like a very major change to the game that I think that was a huge game changer. Yeah. yeah, that I think made the game so much better and so much more interesting. And so yeah. Fortnite is cool again. Um, I have the Optimus Prime skin. You got the Optimus Prime skin. Yeah, I'm I'm like level 107 in the battle pass right now, I think. Damn. So, yeah. We we breezed over it, but I want to go back because I I'm sure that we have listeners who like listen to us play Fortnite and talk about yeah. Fortnite and they're like, "Yeah, okay, Fortnite again." But like so the augment system. The way this works is th- through the different chunks of the game, the different stages where the ring closes and things get smaller, the arena you're in gets smaller, you unlock augments, they're called. And these uh, you get four of them throughout the entire match and they you pop a button and it pulls up this little menu and you get two options. You can either go with those two options or you can spend some of the in-game currency that you accrue really quickly not, to refresh like, those options. Not V-Bucks. It's not in-game not currency that yeah, you can yeah. pay for. It's gold, which you pick up like f- just in the map. Yeah, like when you kill somebody, they drop gold bars and you pick up their gold bars. And the augments can be smaller things from like... uh weapons that use light ammo reload faster to stuff that's like if you're on a zip line you recover hp now mm-hmm. or some of the most busted ones in the past there was like the one where you automatically spawned balloons onto your character mm-hmm. and they would just allow you to hover indefinitely or like i like the ones where it's like um your weapons have a chance of not using ammo. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some, some of, really fun augments. Yeah, there's one, it's called Soaring Sprints. And so when you're sprinting mm-hmm. and you jump, you jump really high. And when you use yeah. that jump, you can't take fall damage. And then mm-hmm. there's one where it allows you to redeploy your glider when you're in the air. Yeah. Um, those two, I think, are so cool. But there are ones where it like makes you reload a certain class of gun faster. And so yeah. just depending on which augments you choose, um, it very much helps you, I think, craft a style of play for that mm-hmm. certain match. And I think yeah. one thing that's really cool about the augments is that it gets people using different guns because yeah. sometimes you get Agreed. an augment that's like, I'm overpowering guns that shoot heavy ammo now. So I'm going to switch my yeah. whole strategy and use this pistol that shoots it and use the freaking exploding rifle. And so... Yeah. That was like, I don't know. I think Fortnite has always been a game that has kind of borrowed from other battle royales. It's kind of like Instagram, right? Where it was there first, (laughs) sure. And then it stole from Snapchat and it steals from Twitter and it steals from TikTok. But I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I am. Tweet me. Mm -hmm. But the augment system is not something that I've really seen before Fortnite in, in the way that they've done it. And so... 
It's yeah. hella cool. It made the game a lot better, I think. Yeah, agreed. And it and it stops you from going into a game, picking one strategy, and just like using that strategy every game. It yes. forces you to adapt mid-game. And that's kind of like, that's the whole name of the game with Fortnite is about like on-the-fly adaptation and like snap decisions that could make or break a game for you. And it really is kind of fascinating that like, that's because I think on the outside looking in, if you're somebody who like all you know about Fortnite is like Fortnite dances and kids play it, like I don't think you would think that looking in, but like mm-hmm. it really is a game that uh promotes and encourages the player to make like snap decisions that put them in situations where they might not feel as comfortable with their play mm-hmm. style. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I've been playing. Um, you asked me earlier also what was like the the final straw for me buying an OLED switch. And it's uh another big part of it is that like Angie has been playing single player games for like the, oh, really? the first time in her life. Um oh, wow. there was that game I told you about. I don't remember exactly what it's called. I'll look real quick. But it's like the visual novel where you go to the new school and there is like a you become friends with a Bigfoot and a dinosaur and a fairy. Oh, yeah. Um, you were rap- telling me about this. Raptor Boyfriend, a high school romance. I cannot recommend okay. this game enough. It's so cool. I never beat it. Um, but Angie just like started playing it and beat it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit. And then I was like, okay, maybe she found her lane with the with the visual novel games. But no, now she's just playing inside. Um, and hmm. I've never played that, but she's just like grinding it out. And so it's oh like, God. holy shit, go off. And so that's awesome. Yeah. Angie's grinding um, inside. I'm thinking about getting Pikmin 4, which I'm, I think yeah. you're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am. But I don't know. Um, and then outside of video games, the third season of The Righteous Gemstones wrapped up. Um, they did a thing where for the season premiere, they dropped two episodes. And for the final week they dropped two episodes and so they did a nine episode season in six weeks seven weeks wow i don't know math is not my thing um yes two weeks off seven weeks um and so god i fucking love that show and it's kind of turning this show out it's kind of turning me into a danny mcbride stan I think he's so okay. fucking smart and so fucking funny. And he like huh. wrote this show and directed a lot of it. And so I'm debating going back and watching Eastbound Down, that baseball show yeah. he was doing on HBO. Um because I've I've just seen more righteous gemstone stuff on my Twitter um since I've like started uh I like tweeted a little about the show and uh mm-hmm. I've been like liking tweets and so I'm seeing more stuff. Um and so I've I've been following some accounts that were really into the show, but are also just like very into Danny McBride. And so I'm like, okay, huh. this is going to become my thing too, that I'm just a, yeah. a Danny McBride stan. Righteous Gemstone season three, definitely the best season so far. And the show is not over. I feel like they very much let us know that um, wow. at the end of this season, which I think is super cool. Um yeah the cast is awesome like john goodman plays the dad of the family and i don't Mm -hmm. think i had really seen much that he's in that was like his actual body like of course he's done a lot of voice acting um which he's incredible at um but i never watched like roseanne 
or the Roseanne, <laughs> right? Uh, like comeback. Um, Not a big Roseanne head. <laughs> no, no. I I enjoy cancel culture. I'm not anti cancel culture. So I'm not into Roseanne. Um, but John Goodman is incredible in that show. He's so fucking good. And he has such a cool, like, booming voice. And so it's mm-hmm. so kind of funny and fitting for him to be playing this character where he's like the mega church pastor dad and just has like this booming voice with this southern accent and it's the show is like if you like succession then you'll like righteous gemstones because it's the fucking Mm. same exact thing where it's this dad who came from nothing and he created this incredible thing i mean incredible i'm talking about on a mega church when i say incredible i mean he just made a shit ton of money and like made a big thing yeah and then his kids are like cool since you made it we get it but the kids are fuck-ups. It's the same exact <laughs> shit as Succession, which I saw TikTok today that was saying it's the same exact thing as Arrested Development. And so Yes, that is Arrested Development. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it's hilarious. And just watch it because it's mm-hmm. it's it's nonstop laughs. Like there are not a lot of shows that I watch that where I laugh out loud sitting in the living room by myself. Really? Or laying, yeah. laying in bed at night with my iPad laughing out loud. Um Righteous Gemstones is so, so good. That's how I felt watching season one of The Bear. I was mm. like audibly laughing at some yeah. of the bits in that show. And it was like, have you watched season one since we last talked? Or, I haven't. No. It's really good. We haven't started watching the second season yet, but um, it's it's very good. And it's a similar thing where it's like the 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 humor of it doesn't come from like jokes per se, but like characters having really funny naturalistic dialogue. So, mm-hmm. like, just the way characters say things sometimes just, like, fucking got me. Like, these two guys who were just, like, they have a long history with each other, and, like, deep down they love each other, but, like, everything above that is just, like, righteous hatred in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, yeah, deep down, like, they fuck with each other, and they're ride or dies, but it's, like, everything above that is just, like, I want to fucking beat the shit out of you at any given moment. And, like, the way the two, like, male leads of the show interact with each other just, like, had me losing it a couple of times. So. Do you know how much of that show is, like, scripted and how much of it is just them going? I do not. That's a good question. I would wonder yeah. that. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Righteous Gemstone sounds really good, though. I'm gonna have to check this shit out. Honestly, you should. I know you would fuck with it. Yeah. Okay, what are you playing? I will start with non-game stuff first. I Did you ever finish listening to the podcast Holy Week, the two of us talked about? I didn't. I'm like struggling to find time to listen to it. It's like the whole conundrum that you and I have discussed before. Where like yeah. when you work in news, it's tough to consume yes. serious stuff yeah. outside of work because everything you deal with at work is serious. Like I talk yeah. about, I've talked with coworkers about how like when I leave work on Friday, I don't consume news. That's not me scrolling Twitter until Monday yeah. morning when I come in. And so, no, but I think Holy Week, I'm not done with. I'm not putting that down and mm-hmm. not picking it back up because I I loved it, but I'm not done with it. I think I'm like four episodes in. I was four episodes in for a minute and then I put it down because I was having that problem and then kind of like slowly listened to five and six. And then earlier this week, I had some just like menial kind of like turn your brain off tasks I had to do at work for a few hours. So I just kicked this on and listened to the last two episodes of it. Um as a reminder for people who didn't hear the episode we talked about this, this is a podcast produced by The Atlantic, and it is from podcast host and writer Van Newkirk. 
and it is exploring the weak period immediately preceding and immediately following the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. And it is really fantastic. It's really well produced. The people that he manages to get on the show talking are really fascinating. And for me, I don't want to like, I'm not going to go into explicit details about the things that are discussed in the last two, last like half of the show that you haven't listened to. But like, for me, the thing that was especially interesting was hearing about the suburban white backlash to the rioting and the protesting that was happening immediately after MLK's assassination and kind of how that sets up the next however many years of politics, you know, because it's like they're playing these clips from news broadcasts in some of the early episodes when they're interviewing people. And it's these people who are talking. It's like white people reacting to the fires in the ghettos in outside of D.C. or in D.C. right after King is shot. And they're just like, well, I I mean, it's sad that he got shot, but I don't understand why they're burning things down. And then you have people who are like, I bought a gun because I was worried about the looting. And like, to me, that just called to mind so vividly, like summer 2020. You know what I mean? Like, I know we were kind of like grinding it out summer 2020. For a minute, I was working a minimum wage job at a liquor store. And I will never forget I'll probably forget it at some point, but it sounds good to say I'll never forget. This lady came up to check out and she had like, it was like a case of Bud Light. And she was like, I'm buying up everything so that I can hang out outside of my house tonight with a shotgun. And if any looters come by, I'm going to pop them one. And I'm just looking at this lady like, man, we're in Tallahassee, Florida. Like nothing's going to happen. The funny thing about that is that there's no way someone who would be so anti-looter in 2023 would buy Bud Light. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Oh, how the times change. But I remember, I don't remember if it was this lady or another person, because people would just say the wildest shit to me when they were checking out with booze. This one person said to me, they were like, I heard that at the Walmart just up the street, there's a bus there where they brought in Antifa from Portland. And I was listening to this, and I'm just like, that is like so easily debunkable like it would be so easy for you to drive just a few seconds more up thomasville road and go check and see if there's a bus outside of the walmart where there's people with like picket signs getting out of it and there wasn't there obviously fucking wasn't like my boss was like i keep hearing people say this i'm gonna go drive up to go see myself so that we can definitively say that's not true and of course there wasn't but it's like it didn't matter you know it's like it, it, it like and to put some context too, like Tallahassee was so interesting because like there was no violence in Tallahassee. Like there were no there was no looting. There was no burning anything down. But like the protests in Tallahassee were partly informed by the fact that the police had shot and killed an individual like in the month prior and weren't releasing body cam footage, you know? Also, the the people who were organizing the protests in Tallahassee in summer 2020 were super duper COVID conscious. Yes. And so many of the protests going on that summer weren't even on foot. They were in cars. They organized Mm -hmm. car protests just to make traffic. Yeah. It was like drive around the jail or drive around downtown and just like hawk your horn and put a Black Lives Matter sign in the back of your car. And so it's like that's the stuff that 
it makes me think of listening to Holy Week and hearing this stuff. And for a lot of the podcast, that is just subtext. And towards the end, it becomes text in a really interesting way. He really he really forces you to reckon with the fact that, like, in the past few years, we have lived through a very similar thing. And it makes you think because the immediate follow to those protests are that Nixon and Spiro Agnew managed to create a coalition of super, super racist Southerners and Northerners and then moderate white voters and then have like between Nixon and then into Republican presidencies onwards functionally just like unfettered ability to go after um, civil rights activists. And mm-hmm. that's not what immediately happened. I mean, we didn't elect a Republican immediately after the summer 2020 protests, but the most moderate Democrat imaginable was elected. And it's it makes me wonder, like, what the further knock on of those is going to be. And I don't know. It, it was a really fascinating lesson. I really if you're interested in history and parallels of history to now I think it's a really great listen. I, he brings up a lot of names of people who you've probably heard, but have never like heard their voice. And to hear some of these people's voices, like I heard Spiro Agnew's voice for the first time listening to this. And he went from being like a guy who I know was Nixon's vice president and was involved with Watergate to being like, oh, I know what that guy sounds like. And I know now about like the super racist policies he pushed when he was governor. But yeah, can't recommend it enough. Really, really great listen. Yeah. And then just as someone who like makes podcasts and enjoys them. Mm-hmm. It was such a treat to listen to the production of that podcast because it's incredible. And just the amount of archival sound that they mm-hmm. have in that thing, it's just like filled to the brim with it, but it's never like too much. And the music is good and the sound is good. It's just like a crazy, crazy high quality listen, which is yeah. very cool in itself. Yeah, it's really great. Um. Onto game stuff. First thing is, this is not a game I played, but it's a game that I heard talked about and then watched the trailer for. It was uh, it was mentioned on uh, the latest episode of Video Game Podtimism, which shout out they gave a shout out to our show in that episode. So double shout out, I guess. I love Video Game Podtimism. This game is called Yeah, You Want Those Games, Right? So here you go. Now let's see you clear them. That's the full title of this game. When I saw that in the Google Doc, I thought that was you not telling me what the title of the game was. <laughs> no, that's the title of the game. Okay, one more time, please. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you want those games, right? So here you go. Now, let's see you clear them. And it's in all caps, too, for what it's worth. Um, so this is someone went and developed the games that you get TikTok ads for. You know how you get those TikTok ads that are like fake games that are trying to get you to download games and it's not actually that? I've downloaded apps because of TikTok. I know you have. This and is I, why I want to bring I this I want to play those games. <laughs> so the, the main one that I've seen advertised and that they talked about on Podtimism is uh, the thing where you pull the pins in the right order to like, you want to get the lava to go with this step and the water yes, at this yes. step. That's like the main thing. And then there's also okay. like um, the one where the towers have different numbers on them and you have to like rush the people from one tower to the next tower. And there's like... Um, the one where you pick up wood and then have to like hold down a button to get over obstacles in a in a constant running like game. 
either way, it sounds like it's very fun. I mean, obviously, these are not going to be like the most highly polished games imaginable, but this is on Steam and it's on Switch. I don't know if it's on mobile. It looks like you're looking now. Um, I'm looking for it on the Switch store right now because I'm about to good? buy it. Yeah, I've heard that it's fun on Switch. It's on Steam, too. This sounds like something you would absolutely love. I'm very tempted Honestly. to buy it, too. Like, it just sounds so much fun. So that's my uh, that's my recommendation as something to check out, even though I haven't played it. An anti-recommendation. I was at a thrift store a few days ago because um, I accidentally washed a gel pen in the pocket of a pair of jeans, and then it went through the dryer with them, too, and it ruined a few shirts and a pair of jeans. So I'm back on that thrift store to find nice denim grind again. Didn't find any denim at the thrift store the other day, but what I did find is a copy of Lego Worlds for $1.99 for the PlayStation 4. Can I ask a question? Please. Is is Lego Worlds the one that has the really big Lego dude on the front? Yeah, it's that one. Like on the cover? Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I see think that came for sale all the time. It's on sale all the time. I'm pretty sure this came out amid the craze of like not Minecraft Minecraft games. You know what I mean? Where it's like Dragon Quest builders mm-hmm. and like that kind of shit where it's like use it's a game that encourages you to build stuff and it probably has procedurally generated graphics and stuff but it's not minecraft and that's what this is like i was really curious about it because i see it on sale all the time and i wanted to see like does it control like older lego games does it does it feel like lego star wars you know what i mean um so my my buddy cam came over and we played it for like an hour uh it does not control it kind of controls like lego star wars the main mechanic of it is that it's like you have this like gun that lets you like copy prefab things in the world, like prefab Lego things. And then once you've copied them, you can like place them. So you'll copy a pig or a chicken and then you'll get a quest from somebody who's like, I need three pigs and three chickens. And then you'll do that and then they'll give you like a brick and that's how you uh, you go to the next level. It was super mid. It was not very fun. Uh, I mean, we had fun, like, building straight up to try and hit the height cap just to see what would happen in the world. But, like, I would not really... If you see this on sale and you're like, ooh, a Lego game, maybe this will rekindle the fun I had playing Lego games as a kid, this is not going to do that, I don't think. So, Which Lego game is the one where they, like, sold the special Amiibo-like figures that you scanned into the game? That's not this, right? That was Dimensions, yeah. Okay, that's what my brothers play. My brothers grind Lego Dimensions <laughs> on the Xbox 360. Their parents bought an Xbox. Their parents bought an Xbox Series X, and they still just play Dimensions on the 360. That's crazy. Yeah, I was like, you guys could just play Dimensions on the Series X, and they're like, no. our save files. Oh my god. Yeah, that was the era of, like, you would go to the video game aisle at a Walmart or a Target, and there, like, weren't any games. It was, like, three aisles of Toys to Life shit, where it was, like, just yeah. the Skylanders and the Amiibo and the Disney one and the Lego one and just all that shit. This is from the era of, like, online multiplayer games where you build stuff. And it doesn't it doesn't feel great. I don't love it. I'm going to trade it in. I'll at least get my buck 99 back. Um I don't regret buying it. It was a dollar 99, but I saved you from having to buy that one and uh play it. What system did you get it on? PlayStation 4. Okay. Wow. A buck 99 for a like a world on the PS4. That game right now is $30 on the Nintendo Switch eShop. What the fuck? That's crazy. Huh? Damn, Buck 99 was a steal. It was a steal. 
I'll buy, I'll buy any game for a buck ninety nine. Like any, that's functionally just renting things to me, honestly. <laughs> Next thing that I played, um, I I don't want to talk about this too much because I know I'm going to talk about it more later. But like, uh, I've had a very anxiety inducing like week or two here, so I've been kind of trying to lean on like some comfort games and like some comfort things that kind of like help ground me and shit. And uh, one of those. We talked about this in the last episode that Tori and I did because she was saying that as she beats Final Fantasy 16, she's interested in playing another one and having access to Final Fantasy 10 now. So knowing that Tori generally has more downtime from work than I do, I went ahead and started Final Fantasy 10 to try and get a leg up on her. Um, this game is so nostalgic for me. Final Fantasy 10 is so beautiful. I'm playing the PlayStation 3 port of it. Because they've uh, the subsequent ports of it on the PS4 and the Switch have just built off of the port they did for the PS3. And that port, when I bought it, came with like a really pretty art book that the game is encased in. So I just like never upgraded from there. I was like, I have the art book. I'm happy. And this is one of those games like I've never played to completion, but like I played a lot of when I was younger on the PS2. And it's a really pretty game. Like, um, if you're interested in RPGs, that pull instead of from like the typical medieval Europe setting and tropes, but instead leans on an art style that's really influenced by like Southeast Asia, I really recommend Final Fantasy X. Like it's got a very beautiful like Oceana vibe happening. Um, the voice acting is very questionable. The graphics have mostly aged well. And the battle system is probably the tightest of any Final Fantasy game. So, you know, you take the good with the bad. And it's it's a really good game. I like it a lot. But, like, hearing the guy who voiced Bender in Futurama and uh, Jake in Adventure Time do, like, this fake Caribbean accent, like, really does grind on my ears. <laughs> but, yeah, that's Final Fantasy X. Um, it's good. I'm playing it. I'm about to go out of town for the weekend, and I'm not bringing my PS3, so I'm not going to play it. But, you know. Uh, something I might play while I'm out of town, though. I mentioned on our last podcast that I pre-ordered Pikmin 4. I got Pikmin 4, and I have not touched it because Christine has literally not put it down since we got it. She has been fucking grinding Pikmin 4. I think she's playing it as we record this with headphones on. Like, she is... She has cleared the main story. She rolled credits. There is a shitload of content post credits, and she is currently trying to like 100% it. Like this girl has gone full Pikmin, and I could not have predicted this. Like I could not have predicted that this would happen. <laughs> Never go full Pikmin. She, I know, I know. She went full Pikmin, dude. She went, she went too far. Like I played Pikmin one around her, like within the last couple of years, and she saw me play it, and she was like, "Haha, they're cute." But it wasn't until I played the demo for Pikmin 4 that she was like, oh, this is something I could see myself playing. And now she has not stopped playing it. So she fucking loves it. I'm, I'm very happy to see. What I've seen of it looks awesome, but I have, <laughs> I have not really played it much to speak of. So There's a, The dog is new, right? Yeah, the dog is new. That's Ochi. He's great. He's so cute. Um, my favorite thing about Pikmin 4 is, I don't know if you've seen the memes... Ahead of it releasing, Pikmin fans were like buying up ad space in Times Square 
to put like the crunchiest, stupidest Pikmin memes up on billboards in Times Square. So it was shit ahead of the release where it would be like a picture of the main character Alamar like standing straight ahead in the th- in the Pikmin font. It would just say buy Pikmin July 21st if you know what's good for you. It's like, what the fuck? Like, the Pikmin, Pikmin diehard fans are just, like, so fucking starved for content that, like, Nintendo could have just shit out. Honestly, they could have just ported Pikmin 1 and 2 the way they did. Yeah. And Nintendo fans would have, Pikmin fans would have been happy campers for the next 10 years. But, like, mm-hmm. instead they put out a game that, like, completely revamps the way the game feels. And it seems really good by all accounts. So, Yeah. Yeah. I've been debating getting it. I need whenever I see you guys when I'm in Florida, just tell Christine to bring her switch. I will. I will. So that she can show you Pikmin. She, yeah. She'll be like, duh. Yeah. She'll be like, I was gonna bring it anyway, so I could sit in the corner and <laughs> exactly. play Pikmin. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that's all I got. That's uh that's my life in games at the moment. You know? Oh wait, I have one more. Uh if my Rocket League, which is just like my free to play game that I just boot up to play mindlessly. Uh, recently has been Magic the Gathering Arena. I'm back in on Magic the Gathering Arena. Um, I have a couple of decks that I built that I'm having really fun playing with, including one that pisses people off so much when I play against them, they quit. And that's very funny to me. But yeah, I've, I, I'm a Magic player now, unfortunately. So Let's go. Yeah, um, I guess. Oppenheimer mid. Mm. Barbie good but mid okay barbie definitely better than oppenheimer um if you disagree i don't care you just think that movie's good because it's three hours long uh waste of time did you see those tweets that were like it was from some blue check on twitter and it was like i thought oppenheimer was going to be an inspiring story that would make children want to be scientists No, is that real? <laughs> yeah, I think it you was. You saw that? I mean, it was from somebody oh with a blue my... check, and people with blue checks are not oh capable of humor. <laughs> so I just assume, you know. <laughs> Did you see the one tweet? I might have sent it to you, where it was like, "If Elon Musk owned a rock band, what would it be called?" <laughs> and someone retweeted it, and they just said, "Owned a rock band." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because everybody, when they look back on, like, the Beatles, you know, they're like, ah, the four members of the Beatles and the owner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, blue checks are fucking cringe. That's so funny. So cringe. Now that I have the press start Twitter login. Go crazy. I'm going to buy a blue check for the press start Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, do it, man. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just see how many followers we lose, you know. I need the press start replies to shoot straight to the top on x.com. That's true. X.com. Uh, you told me the other day that even though you thought Barbie and Oppenheimer were mid, you still think I should go see them. Is that what you think? Do you think people should still like see these movies? No, I oh, think okay. you should see them so we can talk oh, about okay. it. You think me specifically? <laughs> yeah, I was talking to our mutual friend, Tim, and I Shout was like, I didn't like I was like, I didn't like Oppenheimer. And he was like, well, what do the reviews say? What? And I was like, I don't give a shit what the reviews say. I saw it with my own two eyes and brain, and I didn't like it. And I don't like Christopher Nolan. Oh, and okay. he was like, yeah. well, he was like, well, if you won't read the reviews, what's Twitter saying? 
And I was like, well, I go on Twitter, and when someone says Oppenheimer was bad, I like the tweet, and if someone says it was good, I disregard it. <laughs> That's what Twitter's saying. I, I was going to ask if you were a Christopher Nolan fan, and that kind of seems to be dictating kind of how people feel about this. The thing is, I think Christopher Nolan makes really cool and good-looking movies, um, many of them even well, well written. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the messaging in Christopher Nolan's movies is not something that I vibe with. Yeah, I think you and I had talked about how I rewatched the Batman trilogy in my mm. 20s. And I was like, wow, these are pro police movies yeah. where the message is that the Patriot Act was a good thing and that George Bush did the right thing to beat the bad guys. And it's just like, I don't know. I was talking to one of my coworkers and I was like, just compare the, the way that people feel about the Star Wars prequels versus the way that people feel about the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. And like, I'm not going to argue with anyone that the Batman trilogy is better than the Star Wars prequels, right? <laughs> yeah. But literally one is telling us that the Iraq war is bad and the other one is telling us that it's good. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> I don't fuck with that guy. I don't fuck with the guy who makes the movies that says George yeah. Bush did the right thing. Um and so, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anytime there's criticism of Oppenheimer on Twitter, people are just like, cry about it. it the movie's good. It's yeah. long and half of it's in black and white. And so, it's just like, people are like, why wasn't there more about the Japanese people who died? And people are like, the movie's about one man. He never interacted with those people who died. And people are like, why don't women talk in the movie unless they're in sex scenes? And people are like, women weren't involved with making the bomb. And it's like, that's not what people are saying. Yeah. The issue is that women don't talk in the damn movie. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. I don't... I don't dislike Christopher Nolan movies, mm -hmm. but from watching his movies, I know that I would not like him as a guy. Fair enough, yeah. That's how that's how I feel. I, like, I know I would not vibe with that dude. I like Inception. I like The Prestige. Uh, I have not watched the Batman movies since I was a teenager, so I can't really speak to them. Um, I liked Interstellar enough. I thought it was too long, but I thought it was fine. And I thought Tenet was one of the most exhausting movies I'd ever seen in my entire life. So, like, you know, like, if Robert Pattinson hadn't looked so fucking good in Tenet, that movie would have been unsalvageable for me. Because his movies are always, like, mixed so quietly, too, you know, where it's like, I can't fucking hear anything anybody's saying. So I'm watching Tenet, and I'm like, I can't hear what you're saying. Half of it's backwards. Like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. And then Robert Pattinson shows up just like looking fine as hell. And I'm like, all right, well, this is salvaging it a little bit. But like, I don't know. I, I don't I like I like I've liked his movies that I've seen, but I, I can't say that Oppenheimer is on my like, oh, my God, I got to go buy tickets for it now list. And I mean, frankly, Barbie's the same way. Like, I would like to see Barbie. Don't get me wrong. But my not seeing Barbie yet was a protest so as to not encourage Mattel to make like the gritty Hot Wheels movie that I know they're working on, you know? Barbie is about to cross one bill. That's I crazy. I don't think like your matinee okay, tickets. Yeah. My matinee ticket is not going to do it. I don't think you and Christine sixteen dollars. They're still they're still going to make, make the Magic the Eight Ball movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. They're going to make the Hot Wheels movie and they're going to make the Matchbox movie yep. and then there's going to be a crossover. Yep. And then they're going to make the Magic 8-Ball movie 
and then they're gonna make Barney's already on the way. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I fucking hate it, dude. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> oh fuck. Um, I think that's it, though. That's yeah. We need to wrap this one up. That's it's, a podcast. It's been a long boy. It has been. Um, Nathaniel, where are you on X.com? People can find me on Twitter.com mm-hmm. X <laughs> at Nathan Based. Um, I saw on Twitter.com that Threads lost fifty percent of its user base. Yep, already we made the right call, which is yeah. a celebration to me. Because I never joined it, and I was never going to, and um, I know no one uses it because uh, no one uses it, so why would anyone use it? Um, So Threads is dead, and if I go on your Instagram profile and I see the Threads numbers, um, I'm shaming you (laughs) if I see that. You'll never see that on my my profile. But yeah, at Nathan Based, um, like I said, tweet me if I was wrong and Fortnite stole the augment system. There when I said that 45 minutes ago, where can people find you? Twitter.com, baby. I'm not calling it anything else until typing Twitter.com in the URL bar doesn't take me to the website anymore. Uh, Twitter.com, Noah underscore Hertz, spelled H-U-R-T-S. I want to shout out one more social media platform that I'm on real quick, um, just because we have a small enough audience that I don't think they'll like harsh the vibe. I am on a social media platform called DavidSocial.com. Um davidsocial.com i saw on a tweet from a youtuber whose stuff i really like and the whole conceit behind david social is that it's run by one guy named david they call it the most centralized social media platform ever so to make an account on david social you have to dm or email david and you have to ask him if you can join the website and he like decides if you can join it or not and then he gives you a username and password and then you log in and it's like it basically has the vibe of like an old forums website like if you go to mm. the search page it just pulls up like a phone book list of every user on the website and if they're a new user like created in the last 48 hours they have like this flashy html text next to them that's like new and it's like you know you post pictures people like each other's pictures um you don't have followers and following you have bootlickers and people whose boots you're licking so like that's kind of the whole vibe. Uh, they just added a cat on the front page. So you can click to pet the cat. I love David Social. I think it's great. It's a very like pleasant atmosphere with like a lot of friendly and a lot of queer people. And there's not a single Nazi on the platform as far as I can tell. And it's really cool. So uh, I recommend the davidsocial.com. Check it out. Message David, see if you can join. If you get on there, I'm user bagel underscore cream underscore cheese. So don't be shy, Noah. If you are sharing your other social media, where can people find you on Truth Social? <laughs> you can find me on Gab at uh, <laughs> Heroic Patriot 1488. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, our podcast is on Twitter at press underscore start pod, and it's on Tumblr at press hyphen start pod. And you can email the show either about Fortnite skins, uh, Lego games, whatever. Hey, press start at gmail.com. Send us in questions. If we get enough questions, we'll do like a mailbag episode. That could be fun. Just like ask us whatever. Yeah. If you're listening to this, send an email right now and noah will read it 
yeah. at the top of the next episode. Because <laughs> I just want to know if anyone sends any goddamn emails to this thing or if anyone's listening. So if you're listening to this, <laughs> the first email that Noah gets with the subject line, I'm listening. Uh-huh. He'll read it. All right. There we go. That's a that's a press start promise. That's a press start promise right there. <laughs> our show art is by Kai at Wisp Graphics, and our music and cool sounds are from the artist Geist. You can listen to more of their stuff at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. And I think that's a wrap. Good night. We'll be back next week. Adios. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.